together with us today as we seek to uh, glorify the Lord and to honor the life and memory of someone very dear to us, Choice Smith. I suppose I have to officially say Clayton Choice Smith, but I never knew him that way. <clears throat> it's a joy to do that. I appreciate your being here. It's been cold weather and maybe a miles to get here, but thank you for being a part of, of honoring Choice and supporting his family during this time. Let me just explain what we're going to be doing. We're going to be, um, you have the bulletin before you. You may or may not have noticed some little cards, uh, favorite memories of Choice Smith. Uh, they're available on the uh, table back there in the foyer. If you'd like to, if you want to uh, write down a memory for the family to know and see. And there's also some pages of a, a guest book to sign as well. But this, this uh, I think we've all, most of us have probably been spending time in recent days, uh, remembering choice, and, and uh, that might seem like a small card, but maybe a small memory would be a, an encouragement and blessing to others. We're going to be singing some songs today and, and listening to some music. Uh, choice loved the hymns of the faith, <clears throat> and so as hard as it was, we've chosen about four that were towards the top of the list. And so we're not going to sing all the stanzas of all of them, so we could just at least kind of have a... Uh, like a sampler plate. You know, you go and you get a sampler plate and it's not a full portion of everything. We're going to have a sampler uh, closing with his uh, favorite hymn of all time, the, the Old Rugged Cross. So just so you can be aware, and, and it will we'll trip you up a little bit because we're not going to just sing straight through all the hymns. The, the words, we've got the hymn numbers if you want to look in the hymn book, but we'll also have the words uh, on the screen for you to sing out as well. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. Heavenly Father, it's with, um, it's with full hearts that we come together today. Uh, our hearts are full of gladness that we were touched, blessed, made better uh, because of Choice Smith in our lives. And Father, our hearts are full because... Um, we're going to miss such an influence in our lives, such a presence. And so, Father, we ask your blessing on this time together as we uh, come before you. Help us, Father, to honor choice and to honor you. We pray your presence, your strength, and especially, Father, may your, your comfort and grace be with the family, but for all of us uh, who are going to miss one so greatly. We ask all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start with the amazing grace. <clears throat> Our first song that we'll be singing together this morning is number 202 in the hymnal, Amazing Grace. Let's sing together. Yeah. 
You have in your bulletin the uh, obituary of choice, and I would like to read that now. Clayton Choice Smith was born December 30, 1928, to Lori Elva Bell Smith and William Otis Smith near Gatesville, Texas. He was the uh, oldest of seven children. Lori called him by his middle name, Choice, because he was the top choice, she said. <clears throat> I understand, by the way, the caboose is here today as well of those seven. His parents were young farmers in central Texas and moved often from, uh, <clears throat> and moved often, and he went to about seven schools before his high school graduation in Gatesville, Texas. He started school at six years old, riding his horse three miles from home, and I want to add in there, uh, uphill in the snow each way, <laughs> but really that is remarkable. He had already learned to plow the field with a team of horses by that age. After high school graduation, he moved to Texas City, Texas with a friend to work for a construction contractor building a chemical plant. In April of 1947, two ships blew out of the water in Texas City, killing over 600 people. He had been on that dock where the ships were anchored 15 minutes prior to the explosion. Shortly thereafter, his dad hurt his back. He went back to the farm to help his parents. During that time, he completed a two-year business course at Drawn's Business College in Dallas. Later, he attended uh, Dallas College of SMU, taking engineering and math courses while working as a sales engineer. It was during the Korean conflict that he enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, serving in San Antonio, Denver, and England as a cost accountant, <clears throat> and was discharged in February of 1952 and returned to his previous job, with Turner Chain and Belting Company in Dallas. In 1957, he became a sales representative covering five states for Durkee Atwood Company, a national manufacturer. In 1959, he partnered with an independent manufacturer's representative in Dallas covering the same five-state area and worked with J.T. Chapman Company until 1986. In semi-retirement, he worked for Smith Power Company owned by his son, Greg Smith. <clears throat> Choice met Jane Bell in Dallas in 1953. They dated for about seven months before he popped a question while they were at White Rock Lake in Dallas. They were married December 12, 1953 at the First Christian Church in Ennis. Their first married years were filled with work, friends, family, and Castleview Christian Church. Choice and Jane purchased their first home in East Dallas on Mayhew Drive, they welcomed Gregory Choice on February 4th, 1957, and Nancy Jane on May 25th, 1959. Jane immediately became a stay-at-home mom, entirely focused on home and family. She was a devoted wife, mother, and later grandmother, as she was called Mimi. Both Mimi and granddad enjoyed time with their grandchildren when they formed Cousins Camp to camp and travel with them. Each summer, Jane and Choice made time for travel to a cooler climate near Jackson Hole, Wyoming. There, the family stayed for almost a month in a ruggedly rustic cabin. Here, the family was molded together with a love of outdoors and horse training, horseback riding, fishing, and especially quiet time together. Choice and Jane loved to travel. They took the family to Europe in 1972 and 1974 
And for the next 30 years, they enjoyed trips and cruises to Spain, Austria, Germany, Ireland, England, France, Australia, New Zealand, Israel, and Egypt. Choice was an active member of Cassaview Christian Church and Sunday school teacher from the mid-1950s. In 1997, they joined Schofield Church. It was there that their Sunday school class planted uh, planned for a church plant in Terrell, Texas, and Terrell Bible Church was, was formed. He joined the sheriff's posse in Rockwall, Texas, with his beloved horse, Rusty. Not only did they ride in parades, but perform tasks like rounding up stray livestock for the county. Jane and Choice moved to the Tradition Independent Living in 2013, loving the activities, music, and many, many friendships. I might mention that the plan was for them, many there, to be watching uh, by our live webcast. So to those who are at the Tradition, we welcome you and are glad you can be with us. Choice and Jane had been married for 67 years when Jane died in 2020. Choice is survived by his children, Gregory Choice Smith and Nancy Jane Baker, their spouses, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Johns Smith and Robert Bruce Baker, grandchildren, Clayton Choice Smith and wife, Allison Sanders Smith, Kyle Jackson Smith, Lindsay Jane McMullen and her husband, Brent McMullen, William Roy Baker and his wife, Millie Grasso Baker, Choice is survived by four great-grandchildren, Sanders Choice Smith, Margot Eloise Smith, Clayton Champ McMullen, Tayton Jane McMullen. Choice is survived by siblings, William Otis Smith and Lloyd Nelson Smith, and his wife Jan Smith, Naomi White, and Choice's sister-in-law, Peggy Gintner, and many, many treasured nephews and nieces. Let's sing How Great Thou Art. We'll be singing verses number one and number three of How Great Thou Art, number four in the hymnal. Let's sing together. Sings my soul, my 
We're going to have some family remembrances. Uh, first, from Lindsay. so much to say when thinking about my granddad and the impact he had on my life and will continue to have. Some of my earliest memories are out on the farm riding the tractor around the pasture or riding in the pickup. It was the rite of passage to start to be able to start steering the tractor and eventually learn how to shift the gears. We would all learn how to drive the pickup around age 10 to 12 when we could finally reach the pedals. It was just part of growing up at Mimi Granite's house. I learned how to play horse and ride horse. Rusty was feisty. I remember one time Granite and I were riding and I was just too close on his back and we fell off. It was truly a sense of when you fall off, you get back on again. Resilience was a huge part, a huge theme of growing up. I would spend so many weekends over at their house over the years. I remember they got me this awesome Barbie Jeep and I would drive it down as they walked to get the newspaper at the gate. It was just another way to spend time with them. I love sharing a story of when they were enjoying breakfast one morning and Granddad accidentally put buttermilk in a cereal. <laughs> it didn't bother him. He just kept on eating. He didn't waste anything. That really left an impression on me. We would spend our days playing dominoes and he wasn't one to let you win. When I was in elementary school, I remember him starting to teach me how to ballroom and country and western dance. He even took me to a Valentine's Day dance to show off our skills. He was there for every aspect of my life. <laughs> in high school, he would come to plays, even if I had two lines. But man, was he proud. He would come, uh, he would take me to musicals with Mimi, and I know it wasn't his idea but he would put on a good face. We always had some sort of inside joke. He taught me the word pitiful in elementary school, and for months we just seemed to chuckle back and forth, saying how pitiful something was. I don't know why it was so funny, but it was. He always flaunted the way he could whistle through his teeth. I tried so hard to learn how to whistle and finally caught on. He was always the teacher. I felt like I learned so much just from being around him, soaking him all in. When I was officially learning how to drive, he took me to a church up the road from their house to practice in the parking lot. After some time, we were ready to head home, and he said, you got it. I was so nervous driving back on that highway, but he had all the confidence in me. When I got at my first job, my first call was to granddad to learn to how to set up my retirement and which stocks would be best. He just knew something about everything. Growing up, when spending the night on any given fall weekend, Mimi and I would go watch the Rockwell High School football game while Granted was manning the parking lot with the sheriff's posse. 
It was so cool to brag that my granddad was a part of the Sheriff's Posse. He taught me the love of football, more specifically Aggie football. While not official Aggie, I'm not sure if anyone would be able to tell the difference. While in college, I worked at a summer camp after my freshman year and would come over every weekend while on break to do laundry and get a home-cooked meal. I love that I was always welcomed in. We even went to Disney World together when I was in college. While I may not have been too excited at the time, I do treasure those memories now. While in college and beyond, anytime I would see him, he would always try to slip me some cash, gas money as he called it. He always wanted to make sure I had a little spending money. If I was wearing a ripped pair of jeans, he would always question if I needed money to buy a clean pair <laughs> or if I had spent extra to make them that way. When Mimi passed, I asked if I could start coming over more for lunches. He agreed, and we spent about every month just catching up over some food. I loved these last few years just hanging out at the office for an hour or so just catching up. He would always talk about life, my kids, the stock market, and whatever was that day's news. He was always so diligent on asking about Champ and Tatum. His eyes would light up with whatever the new skill was. He was so proud of them and all of us. He was such a hard worker, and even just recently, I learned something new about him. I was telling him about Champ loving math, and he said that it runs in the family. His mother had made sure that he knew his multiplication tables before kindergarten. I had no idea. Thinking about his faith, he was the rock of our family. His structured prayer that was said over so many years, we have it memorized. We even took a video of him praying last Christmas, and I'm so glad we did. Going to church with him on the weekends and him standing and praying or the like as an elder made me so proud. His faith could move mountains, and it never wavered. Granda was the connector of our family, and I miss him dearly. I'm sad because I will not be able to call him or enjoy our lunches anymore, and have come to realize you never know when something will be the last time. But... While I am sad for this earthly loss, I know that it is not forever and that we will meet again. Until then, I love you. Now we'll hear from Will. I made mine pretty short, so I won't have to stay up here too long. <sighs> a few weeks ago, I heard that grief was just all the extra love you had for them, and it's just coming all at once. From little kids to teenagers, he taught us all, all, our grandki- all his grandkids to drive, from my sister's pink Barbie Jeep to the tractor, and then finally the, the Maroon Saturn in the church parking lot down the road. He, I did not have uh, the faith in myself to drive back home. <laughs> he taught us early about giving to people in need, to the church, and to also other charities. He taught us to be a great bar- partner to our spouses. <laughs> Always helping Mimi with the dishes with his napkin tucked in his pants. He taught us his wonderful worth ethic through all the work stories, being a salesman, an elevator operator, and a businessman. If you don't know, I have ADHD. 
It, it means that I have many, 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 many hobbies. And by the time, and all the time during now through childhood, Granddad always wanted to catch up with things. I was into coins, knives, guns, cooking gadgets, electronics, gaming consoles, to name a few. He'd always ask and want to know more about him. He was always genuine and always wanted to learn more and more about what I was into. If there is any good part about this, he's with Mimi and that just makes me happy. Now we will uh, sing together softly and tenderly. We'll sing number verse, verses number one and number four softly and tenderly. <clears throat> We will hear from the men's ensemble from Terrell Bible Church.
Gentlemen, thank you for the remarks as well earlier. By the way, I should mention that song, It Is Well, is, you will hear it often at a funeral, that, that there's a story behind that song. The author, um, I'll abbreviate the story if, if pastors can do that. <laughs> His family was, they were going on a family trip over to Europe. His family left early. He had to stay behind for business. And through a credible tragedy at sea, uh, the ship his family was on sank, and his daughters perished in the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. When his wife reached Europe, she sent back a telegram, all lost, saved alone. He got on the first ship he could to get over to join his wife, and the captain of the ship summoned him to the deck and said, as best I can calculate, this is where it happened. And he looked out on those waves and thought of his family. He went into the cabin of the ship 
and wrote this song. And so when he says, when sorrows like sea billows roll, and that's coming from his heart. And yet what he was saying is, through faith in Christ and with the confidence of his return, it is well with my soul. That speaks well for Choice's faith as well. <clears throat> we read the obituary, or you listened as I read. I like the help. I'm helped by obituaries when I go to a service or a part of one. To me, they encapsulate the sum of a life, and they fill in details that I didn't know. Each of us will, will have known choice at different parts in our life, and, and so we got snapshots, and so the, the obituary helps us fill in the details. This choice's obituary did that for me. I, I don't remember hearing about him being raised in a farming family, and that he was a helpful contributor to that family. <clears throat> Plowing at the age of six on a uh, with a team of horses, that's pretty impressive. Plowing at the age of 16. Now, I know many 16-year-olds today could do just fine without on a console. But, um, and then, you know, the, this, I even made fun of it. The, but going on horseback to school for three miles, um, that tells you something about him. That helps me understand a no choice better than I did. You see, all along, I, I saw choice as a hard worker. He was diligent and faithful in his work so that he could provide for his family. And it seemed he always worked. Uh, long after he retired, and I had to kind of rethink what the word retirement meant, uh, I kept hearing about him going to the office every day. <clears throat> um, and so retirement for him didn't mean uh, what it means for a lot of people. He went to the office every day and managed his business affairs, and he uh, long into that, you know, he had the business properties that he rented and, and often did, you know, was part of doing the work on them. I suspect Choice um, learned the habits of diligence, hard work, perseverance in those early days of his life on the farm. And so I think those, those years as being a part of a sharecropper family in central Texas were not easy. And even while he was doing his part as a young boy, it was building character, it was teaching him life lessons. And so the choice I knew later on, um, the seeds were planted in that character back on that farm. I have to admit, when I knew Choice as we started this church and saw Chase and jo Choice and Jane, I, I looked at them as old people. <clears throat> I mean, they were in their 50s. I now recognize he was a young man barely in his prime. Uh, but, but I, so that's when I came into his life, that time later on. It was during that, those young years, those young days in his life on the farm with the family, that he professed his faith in Christ. He was raised in a home that honored the Lord, that was faithful in going to church. And he was baptized, I like this, in Cow House Creek, in Cowhouse Creek, outside of Gatesville. As a young man, God's grace was seen again in his life. So God's grace opened his eyes to understand his need of a Savior and to receive him as Savior at the age of about 10, 12 years old. But that incident that we, I read about of the explosions at Texas City is to me another picture of God's grace. That the explosion of those two ships and other things that happened as well 
is considered still today the worst industrial accident in American history and the largest non-nuclear explosion in history. The windows in Galveston, half of them blew out 10 miles away, and I understand it could be heard at least 150 miles away. And many, when the fire had started, it was a process, many had, you know, what do you do when people see when they go to a fire? They, they often want to watch, right? And so people were lined up on the docks, and many of them perished from that explosion. Two airplanes, private airplanes flying over, were taken out by that explosion. And he was there 15 minutes beforehand. And so I see in that God's, God had a plan for choice that, that took him beyond those years. And I'm sure Jane was very happy about that when she met him later. But I, I see in that the hand of God's grace. God had a plan for choice. And we, we, we are the beneficiaries of that plan. Now, in my knowing choice over the years, I didn't see him as someone who sought attention. Hard worker, diligent, but not someone who tried, you know, made a show of himself and brought attention to himself. I think of him as a man of incredible, consistent faithfulness. He reminds me of a book title I haven't read, but I like the title, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That seems like a good description of choice. Nothing very dramatic about that, very unpopular in today's thinking, but a long obedience in the same direction. I think of another hero of mine, C.H. Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. <laughs> That's choice. That's cho I'm not calling him a snail, but <clears throat> he lived a, a relatively quiet life of faithful service. He worked with excellence in his job, whatever that was. He was a loving and faithful father and husband, active servant in the church, wherever that church was. Um, back in 1980s, 1985, when I was approached, I was, uh, I was approached about starting a church in Terrell. Uh, Barb and I were, uh, would be, I was a part-time teacher in the Maranatha class at the Schofield Church. Whenever John Hanna had to be out of town, I would fill in for him. And out of that class was growing this idea of let's start a church in Terrell, a Bible church. And so I was approached and said, would you be interested in being the pastor of that new church we're talking about planting? My first question was, who's involved? I should have asked, where's Terrell? <clears throat> <clears throat> but I said, who's involved? And I was told, um, Choice and Jane Smith, and also Tip and Nancy Housewright. And that told me right there, that church was off to a good start. Two quality couples that God would use in a mighty way. Choice was among one of the first elders of Terra Bible Church. In the scriptures, we're told biblical qualifications for an elder, and one of them is there to be above reproach. And that means in their moral life, and their spiritual life, there's no grounds for accusation. And that was choice. He was above reproach. He was all of that. He was trusted and respected to Terrell Bible Church. Uh, even after, uh, as the years moved on, they felt the need to move into Dallas, 
and, and recognized they could no longer keep driving back to Terrell Bible Church. So even after they had left Terrell Bible Church and were in Dallas, um, the elders at times when we had some important decisions, we would talk to Choice and say, you know, we know you're not an elder at Terrell Bible Church, but your wisdom hasn't gone away. And so we would consult him and talk to him and include him in discussions. I have to say, if you know the story of Terra Bible Church, our first church was about two miles from here, a small church that we uh, paid $40,000 for, and I could tell you stories about that church. <clears throat> but I remember, you know, Choice was very much part of that. Uh, just one story, when we came in the first day to just inspect it, there was a, the, the, the fuse box was this big for the whole church, and the door was open. John Hanna went, was one of those guys, when he sees an open cabinet, he closes it. He went to close the cabinet and got a shock and should have put out the lights in the building. <clears throat> that should have told us something. We had work to do. One of my memories, and we've got a picture of it, is uh, uh, Choice was ripping up the rug uh, to be replaced, and they found the pad under the rug was old Sunday school materials. So I, mean, I guess they made good insulation and padding, and it was cheap and available. One time we, uh, we had a tree fall down into our back into the, our neighbor's backyard, and I was terrified. Mr. Hoskins next door was 90 years old, and he was usually out in his backyard, so I went running over there, and fortunately, he wasn't under the tree. But that made me look at some of the, another tree that was next to, between our properties, and I expressed concern to Choice and others. That, that tree, that could hurt someone. Well, next thing I know, Choice is over there, and he's got a rope and a chainsaw, and he throws the rope up into the tree, and he says, here, hold this. And I said, what are you doing? Should, wait, we need to talk about that. Let's think about this. And he said, I, I just want to look at something here. And I said, what are you doing? And, he's, and he said, I'm just going to take a look. And next thing, he's got the, the chainsaw roaring. I said, and he said, would you pull that rope? <laughs> and the tree came down. Um, he wasn't afraid of work. He wasn't afraid of, of labor. He was, um, he was there to serve in so many ways. On a personal level, Choice gave himself as well. If you've known Choice in different times, aspects of his life, you might be aware that over the years he, he helped many a person with an addiction issue. In fact, he almost became the, this is the guy you call, I want you to talk to Choice Smith. And Choice would uh, help that person get the care they needed and uh, hold them accountable to do it. And you know, calls like that typically don't happen at three in the afternoon. So there late at night, he'd be heading in to take someone out and change their life and save their life. And that was choice. Again, he didn't make a fanfare about that. He just did it. He was a mentor and a counsel to others. Now, often if someone had, especially business questions, those kind of things, retirement questions, uh, why don't you talk to choice and get his thoughts on that? I would tell them. And he was a great accountability partner. One man had a, um, a real problem with just self-discipline, and he knew it. And that was, that was the first step. And I guess he talked to Choice about it, and so Choice you know, worked it out with him that every morning he would call him at 6.30 just to make sure he was up and at him. I didn't have to do that. Didn't make a show for and, and I didn't know about it until years later when the fellow, the recipient of those calls told me, just out of his love and appreciation and respect for Choice. Choice gave himself to others in so many ways. He was a, a faithful servant. 
When I think of the life of Choice Smith, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul's remarks at the end of his life. You might be familiar with the passage. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Let me read 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 to you. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul described himself as being poured out as a drink offering. That's a picture from temple worship. Uh, at times, different types of sacrifices, they would, they would pour liquid over the sacrifice. And of course, you did it, you poured the whole, the whole container out. The idea of being poured out had the idea of giving of a whole life with nothing held back. The apostle at the end of his life said, well, my pitcher is empty. I've, I'm, I'm being poured out. And that wasn't a complaint. It was an act of worship. It was a, it was a joyous profession. I've, I, my life is being given to the Lord. The choice poured out his life to the Lord. He gave his life fully to the Lord. And he poured his life out to the Lord. And he poured his life into others. His business associates knew that choice was someone they could trust to give his best with integrity. Choice poured his life into his family. We heard some snippets of that. Each one in these pews can speak of how choice poured his life into them in different ways. Sometimes practical ways like how to shift gears. And then those values ways and heart ways. He poured his life into his family. With Jane, by the way, as his partner in it. Uh, we heard about grandkids camp as we, we knew them. And, and they were always so excited. You, know, when, you might wonder, were they saying, oh boy, here it comes again. It was, oh boy, here it comes again. And they were, it, was, it was their thrill to invest in those lives in that way. <clears throat> they delighted in the opportunity to spend time investing in the lives of their family, pouring in. And they were intentional about it. It didn't just happen. They planned it. They scheduled it. They made it happen. And Choice poured his life into the, into the lives of others around him, including his beloved Jane. Paul went on to say, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. Using now, from the worship terms, he moves over to the, to the, uh, the athletic field. I've fought the fight. I've finished the race. <clears throat> when he says, I've fought the fight, the Greek almost reads, I've agonized the agony. The word for fight there is agona. We get our word agony from it. And that's a good clue to us. Sometimes life has agony. Sometimes life is hard and painful. And, Paul, and, and, and Choice had his experiences of that as well. Later on in life, he battled heart and, and health issues. There were times in his life of personal disappointment and grief and sorrow and heartache. As a young man, when his father died, and doesn't that tell you again choice, what did he do? He went home to help the family. But he, he, he had his agonies as well. He, he fought the fight. 
The pain, the heartache, the sorrows didn't stop him. It gave him greater resolve. Choice was not a quitter. He finished what he began. I fought the fight. I have finished the race. If you've ever been involved in any kind of a foot race or any other sort of race, you know there's a certain satisfaction of crossing that line. Choice has crossed the line. Finish the race. Though there's one difference. I've seen, I, I worked for a while for a company that provided the sound system for marathons. And I'll tell you, so I was at the end of the, the, the finish line. Okay, the guys who are really good to you know, do the marathon in like two hours, they look great coming over. Those who came out after four hours didn't look so great. <clears throat> and they, they would kind of get over and almost collapse. When Choice crossed his finish line, when he entered into glory, it wasn't with fatigue. It was with an energy, a vitality, a joy that he's never known in all his life. Choice can say with Paul, I've kept the faith. As a young man, as a young boy, he gave his heart to the Lord, trusting in him as Savior giving to the Lord his sins that he might receive the Lord's eternal life and forgiveness. And he lived that life and served that life to the end. I've kept the faith. Paul then goes on to say, Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Paul was speaking with confidence at the end of his life that he would stand before the Lord Jesus Christ in God's holy place, the place of God's holiness. And, but, he, but he said, I know when I get there, I'm going to see, receive the crown of righteousness. Now, different way, we could talk about different ways of understanding, but basically what that's saying is when we trust in Christ as Savior, he takes our sin on himself and, and, and declares to us the righteousness of, of himself. But in heaven, we are crowned with his righteousness. We are made fit, suitable, holy for heaven. If we were to think about the place of God's holy presence, we, we, we have no place there. But through Christ, we're made fit to be suitable, to be in heaven. And so Paul could say with confidence, I'm going into God's presence and I'll be crowned with righteousness so I can stand in God's presence. And he might remember that old song, And Can It Be, where Charles Wesley wrote of his own faith, Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. That was Paul's confidence. I'm going into God's presence. And that was Choice's confidence. That was Jane's confidence. Uh, the days before she died, she said to us, I, I'm not afraid of death. We, you, you have, that's how you get to heaven. You know, I, I'm not looking forward to the pain, but that's the door. I want to go through that door. That was Choice's heart as well. It's not because Choice, I've said good things about Choice, but anyone who knows anybody knows that none of us is perfect. And Choice would be the first to admit that he was a sinner. He'd failed the Lord, failed himself at times. We all have. So his assurance of heaven isn't because he was perfect, but because he believed the promises of Christ. And Christ said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. 
That's a promise for Jesus Christ to those who by faith hear the voice of Christ. And as a young boy, Choice heard the voice of Christ. He, the voice calling him to believe. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He received eternal life and he trusted in the promises. His assurance was not in choice earning it. His assurance was in Christ gifting it. Choice heard the voice of Christ and followed him. Jane did the same. And I have to say, if you know them, they would be so pleased if you would do the same. Many of you know that peace already. You've trusted in Christ as Savior. And you're rejoicing with choice and maybe almost a little envious. You made it, brother. <clears throat> I'm coming. Some of you have yet to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I just hope you will look at the life of choice and Jane. No, I'm not, we're not saying they're perfect. But you see the fruit of a life of faith in Jesus Christ. And I know there, as, they, as Choice poured and Jane poured their lives into others, how they would delight to see you share in their faith and share in their presence in heaven. Choice poured out his life in service. He poured his life into others. He fought the fight, finished the race. And Jesus described the welcome that awaits someone like that. Well done good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This last Sunday, with son and daughter beside him, Choice finished this life. He finished the long race and he entered into the presence of the Lord. Sadness grips us but honestly, how it must have lifted his heart. As I said, his tired, his struggle with weakness, gone. And to look into the face of the Savior. These songs were sung, they expressed a love for Christ. But to be able to look him in the face and to be in his presence, how that must have just lifted his heart. <clears throat> how it must have humbled him to be gathered and be counted with one with all the saints of the ages maybe instantly recognizing some of his heroes and, of, and some of his dear loved ones over the years that have gone before him. I have a picture of Jane meeting him at the, at the gates and saying, come, come on, you, you have to come see the Lord. But I can see her with a handful of maps and brochures. <clears throat> and says, I want, to, I, say, I want to give you a tour. I remember one time when she told Barbara and me that she, uh, she planned a trip. And she said, all Choice knows is he has to be ready to go at this time. He doesn't know where he's going, how he's going, but he's, and he's good about that. So can't you just see Jane saying, oh, Choice, I'm glad I had a few years to get this ready. Come with me. And how, they will enjoy, how they're enjoying together God's grace and wonder. And as they see others that they know and love, what a, what a thrill he's having. <clears throat> we have lost a wonderful man. But that's our loss, not his. And so I'm saying these things so when your grief over... I want to pick up that phone and talk. I've got one more question. Uh, one more visit to the office. In your sorrow... 
paste over that his joy. We wouldn't want him back from that. So rejoice he's there. Make sure you're ready to join him there through faith in Christ. And, and thank God for the gift that Jane and Choice have been in our lives. And I always think of them as a team. You, this family, you are, you are much gifted over many of us. You saw so much more of his life. But thank God for the gift. He's a treasure, a rare gem in today's world. Thank God that you had that gift in your life. And write down, share those memories. We're going to have a meal in just a little bit. A good time to talk about it and the days to come. We're not worshiping choice. We're worshiping a good God who gave us choice and Jane. And we express that gratitude from our heart. The cross was central to Choice's faith. Favorite his, the, top, he, the top favorite hymn of the sampler is the old rugged cross, and that's going to be our final hymn, and then I'll have a word of prayer. <clears throat> our final song for this morning, the old rugged cross. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but let me, uh, and I will, as I pray, I'll pray uh, for the meal as well. Uh, we're going to go from here to a meal in the gym. We invite, everyone's invited to come. You'll just uh, go out these doors and follow the sidewalk and you'll take it to a gym. The meal is prepared. 
Uh, and that will be our time. That's a great place where we can do our visiting. And so the family will be excused beforehand to go. We'll have a meal together. And then if you'll notice at uh, 2.30, there'll be a graveside service at the Myrtle Cemetery in Ennis, Texas. And so that's, that's what's before us. Thank you for being here. Come and join the fellowship together. If you filled out the card, make sure you, you, sh- you leave it with us. Let me ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we come with hearts sad, grieving, mourning, because someone precious to us is gone from our lives, and yet not gone. We thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is in your presence. And so, Father, with grateful hearts, we thank you for the gift, the blessing he has been in our lives in so many ways. Father, help us to recall those blessings. Help us to cherish them. Help us, Father, to recall the lessons we've learned. Help us to to see his life and example and take it to heart. And, Father, uh, we thank you that because of Jesus Christ, because of the righteousness of Christ, not the righteousness of choice, but because of your promises, we have his assurance he's in your presence, as is Jane and so many others. Lord, how I do pray that that faith would be the great comfort for each heart here and that we might share in that faith and share in his destiny. Lord, as we go from this place, we ask your blessing now on the food that we are about to enjoy. Bless our fellowship. Fill our hearts with gladness for your kindness in giving us choice and Jane Smith in our lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you remain seated while the... uh, the family is